The views and opinions expressed by guests on the Hide and Seek podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or positions of the host or contributors. Hey everyone, this is Sarah. Would you like to take a more active role in the Hide and Seek community? Would you like to share your thoughts with other listeners? Join us in the Hide and Seek podcast discussion group on Facebook. You can find us by searching Hide and Seek Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. This podcast deals with mature topics that may not be suitable for all listeners. Material heard on the Hide and Seek Podcast is intended for adult listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Sweet dreams are made of this. 24 Hour News aides Brady Gillum went to Sturgis tonight to speak with the missing woman's mother about what may have happened to her daughter. I can tell you where she most likely is. I hadn't seen anybody that I felt comfortable saying anything to until today. The stories they tell are pretty fucked. They're pretty freaking gruesome. I kept all the text messages, Facebook messages, the messages between me and Brittany. I have all of them. I have everything. I told him, I said, I'll kill all the motherfuckers. And I was going to have my people fucking take care of it. I'll just say Brittany's name out of nowhere just to see what somebody says. Because this little town around here would be hard to hide something like that. Because eventually everything comes out. Some days I don't believe anything happened to her. I think she just left. This is Hide and Seek, Season 3. I'm your host, James Basinger. Hey guys. Last week was episode two of The Case File. I want to go over the most important takeaways from that episode before we move on to today's topics. Last week, we heard Ashley explain to law enforcement that Brittany sent her a message about two grams and $50. This Facebook message takes place on November 28th, two days before Brittany disappears. Ashley said she doesn't feel that this message was Brittany. And no, the very last message between Brittany and I is not Brittany, and I've said that. I said that to the cops. Those last messages were not Brittany. How do you know that? Because of what was said. She said, I got 50. I said, I got nothing but bad luck. If that were my friend, she would not have upped the ante. She would have said, talk to me. I'm confused. What would she ask you about? She went on to say that Eric got strange messages too. When I told Eric about it, he got some weird messages too that he said were not from Brittany either. We'd like to see those messages she sent you, Eric. What was so strange about them? Might it have anything to do with some revengeful bullshit? I told you about my conversation with Ben. Ben is the family friend of the teen who was home alone. Ben confirmed for us that the interior of Sheldon's car was torn apart before law enforcement arrived. 
He said the glove box was open and there was stuff everywhere. We initially thought law enforcement may have done this when looking for something to identify the owner of the vehicle. Ben's statement was helpful in clearing that up. Ben leaves the car after calling law enforcement and drives the area looking for someone who may need help. He never sees anyone on any of the roads in the area. He's driving and aware that there's a woman walking around in need of help. He travels all the surrounding roads where Brittany would have ran off to. We explained in the last episode that Ben travels in the direction that would form the letter P. His travels would have covered all the roads that Brittany would have used to get back to Grandma's. We went over the statement from the teen who told law enforcement that he heard a knock on the front door, then sees Brittany make her way around the house from the deck in the back. Once Brittany made it to the front of the house, she peers in a window and sees the young man. They make eye contact. And before he knows it, she's gone. The question we're wrestling with the most is did Brittany know that the mystery man was at the front of the house knocking? If she did hear knocking, would she know the noise was coming from outside? One of the most impactful testimonies we heard last week was from Ashley's friend Larry. Larry messaged Ashley after the episode aired. His opening line? What did you do, Ashley? His closing line. All I'm saying, Ashley, is if you had any hand in anything that dealt with Brittany, you need to help anyway. Turn yourself in. Help solve it. And stop fighting it. What transpires in between those two messages, you can hear for yourself. Given the way you worded that, you're just like everyone else. So I'll answer your question and leave it at that. I'm not discussing shit with anyone blaming me for anything. What did I do? I told the truth. I told the truth about what I knew up to that point in hopes of solving the mystery of my missing friend. There was no way for me to know he was a shitball who would crop and edit everything I said in addition to running around behind the scenes with Britt's mom, lying to this person and that person to create more drama for his show. Also, no way for me to predict that he would make shit up and throw that in there too. Nothing I've said will change because I haven't lied yet. Just because that fuck says I lied about something doesn't mean I really did. I haven't listened to the podcast and I don't intend to. I can tell you though, that not one thing that I've heard so far has been true. Also, to anyone crying to me about having something said about shit they did back then, I just don't care. You're all a blip in the grand annihilation of me. So not even sure what you're all upset about. Your lives aren't being ruined. Mine is. Because I wanted my friend found. Because I wanted the corruption brought to light. I'm such an evil human. Get the fuck out of here. I'm not understanding how or why my name was even put into all of this. I never did anything. And hell, we both know when I got out of jail is when I found out about this. 
and then I went back to jail before I can even bond out. I had to talk to the investigator and they went right back to jail that Monday. I mean, fuck. Because I simply told him about the day in my room when we found that post of Daniel's. That's not what this is about. I don't want a flashback. I don't remember the post. And I don't want to. I'm just over all this shit. I said I had Larry message Cage. Well, who's Larry? My best friend. Well, my used-to-be best friend. I had no way of knowing he is what he is or he was going to do what he's doing. You're over it? (laughs) That's cute. Like I said, you're a blip. No one even gives a shit about you. My life is fucked and has been. That's why I got away from you. And the stuff that you were putting yourself into. Hell, I told you, you're falling. And after that, you lost your kids, you lost your house, you had all these new people in this Britney stuff. I was gone a couple weeks and came back to all of this. That's why I told everyone. I don't want any of this he said, she said shit. I don't want to hear it. Read it. Listen to it. Because I want no part in any of it. And yet, because you were my friend, I still got brought up. When I wasn't even around. It sickens me. I didn't want to know any of the information or stories about what happened. And I've kept it that way. All I'm saying, Ashley, is if you have any hand in anything that dealt with Brittany, you need to help anyway. Turn yourself in. Help solve it. And stop fighting it. Wow. Fuck off, dude. You are officially dead to me with that last statement. I've been going through hell and still am trying to solve this. I've been the only one willing to put myself out there and put it all on the line to solve this, while everyone else hides behind lies and bullshit. Don't ever speak to me again. I haven't hid behind lies or bullshit. I won't message you ever again. That, I can promise you. He was obviously upset that someone he used to feel very close to, and trusted, would insinuate in any way that he had anything to do with Brittany's disappearance. Larry went straight to the source. He pulled no punches, and gave out no passes. Larry seemed genuinely upset that his name was thrown out there by Ashley, as someone who fit the description of Mystery Man. Larry strikes back with a strong alibi. He says he believes he was incarcerated when Brittany disappeared. After three attempts to verify, we were able to confirm that Larry was incarcerated at the time Brittany disappeared. Sarah and I go back to the suspect board and pull Larry's picture off and put him into the ever-growing pile of names Ashley's thrown into the wind to confuse things. I'm curious though, Why his name would even be thrown out there to begin with? You knew the guy you called your brother was incarcerated. Larry demonstrated how easy it can be to clear shit up when you know you have nothing to keep hidden. 
were looking to find justice for Brittany. Not every bed had a monster under it. Thanks, Larry. No hard feelings. Ashley, you said Brittany contacted you on November 30th. She said, how are you doing? In regards to Pocket being arrested the day before. The day Brittany disappeared, you don't remember that for eight months? You shared with law enforcement that Brittany contacted you via Facebook. But then me, it was text message. Which one is it? Are you questioning those messages being from Brittany? In today's episode, we're going to wrap up the case file. We have four more interviews to break down. But first, I want to share with you guys all the search and rescue missions that were performed by St. Joe County and Michigan State Police. I'd also like to say thank you for those who stuck with us through the last two episodes. The case file was a lot to work through and digest. Thanks again. Okay, Sarah, we are on the third episode of going over the case file. We're going to start with searches that were conducted. How quickly did they get started on looking for her? Why don't you take us through the timeline of the searches and what was done? The very next day after Brittany is reported missing, they begin searching. So on 12-9, there is a search conducted of John's property and the surrounding area. Everybody, I think, remembers that John is the home that Brittany goes to and calls 911. The next search searches are done on 1212 and 1213. Now, these are the first foot searches. Officers spend several hours over these two days searching fields, tree lines, ditches, roadsides, wooded areas, and abandoned properties. One of the officer notes that he keeps an eye out for buzzards, crows, that sort of thing, and he sees no sign. He also keeps an eye out for clothing that would match the clothing that Brittany was last wearing, and he doesn't see any sign of that either. The next search occurs on January 2nd, 2019. One deputy, and he's searching abandoned property. On January 8th, there's a search done of a specific road by two deputies. March 21st, 2019, this is when Michigan State Police enter the scene. They bring five canine teams to conduct searches around the crash scene, that area. 3-26-19, five days later, Michigan State Police are back out searching again, and this time they are doing an aerial search. They also have canine search teams that are out at the same time, and they cover an area approximately four square miles. On April 27th, St. Joseph County Dive Team is out, and they cover a few bodies of water in different locations around the crash scene. July 8th, 2019, detectives search another small body of water. 726, 2019, an abandoned property searched. On July 30th, 2019, another private residence searched. 1021, the dive team is back out, and this time they search two bodies of water 
1126-2019, Michigan State Police K-9 is out and they are conducting two searches of two pretty large areas just north of the crash scene. March 21st, 2020, there is an aerial search of Fawn River Road and the area around the crash site. They actually cover quite a bit of, of area in this search. On 6-18-2020, there is several locations searched this day by Air National Guard. March 1st, 2022, as most of you listeners know, this is the first search that we initiate at the former property of Don Hill. On March 20th, 22, there's a search by the Bronson PD at a private residence. 412, this is the third search that we initiate at the former property of Don Hill. This day, there's also a cadaver dog search of a abandoned property. To give you some idea of the work that St. Joseph County has put in, there are a total of 19 search warrants executed, 25 locations searched, 135 individuals interviewed, some of them multiple times, 201 tips, these are the numbers just as of April of 2022. Record says 135 individuals searched, but James and I have, you know, counted and we think there's far more than 135 individuals. This case got very messy very early on with how many people that were brought into law enforcement's investigation. You got to give credit where credit's due. When you look at those numbers and you see the number of locations searched, the number of warrants issued and executed, number of tips that they have to follow up on, that's man hours. It takes time. Their response time, though. I was pleasantly surprised to see that, you know, she's reported missing on the 8th and the 9th. They're already out there. They are, they're searching. They took it seriously they began doing their job. Sarah and I discussed how we wanted to deliver information regarding searches. We agreed that we wanted to share it, but we also agreed to keep it vague. There are certain pieces of information in the case file that we've determined are better left unsaid. In no way do we want to compromise the work done by St. Joseph County and Michigan State Police. And this is one of those instances Searching is an extremely important piece to any missing person case, and our goal in sharing the parts of the search information we did is so that everyone can gain a better understanding of the work put into Brittany's case. We hope everyone can understand this. Porter hits my radar in July of 2021. Ashley sends me a website link and writes, so, I was actually going to talk to Porter about all of this. To the big story tonight, three Elkhart men are under arrest for their roles in the torture and murder of a Columbia City woman.
Now we begin in Columbia City where the torture and murder of a young woman is shocking to many who knew her there. Authorities say Kimberly Dyer was brutally abused, killed in a basement, then dumped in a trash bin in southern Michigan in 2019. But not before she was tortured, burned, even mutilated, while she was still alive. She'd been missing for weeks before that. She went missing in October, prompting a Facebook post from the Elkhart County Sheriff's Department in early November, seeking tips on her whereabouts. But authorities now believe by that time she was already dead. The Elkhart County prosecutor has charged 19-year-old Mario Angulo Jr. and 20-year-old Donald Owen Jr. with murder and confinement, alleging that she was tortured inside an Elkhart home before she was killed. 24-year-old Matthew Merzinski is charged with confinement causing serious bodily injury. In a window at the house where she died, a picture of a gun with the message, nothing in this house is worth dying for. Written on the garage door, the words, I'll find you. In a somewhat unusual step here, some court documents are sealed. Some of the main charging documents from the court system remain under seal, partially to protect witnesses in the case. The suspects are also charged with robbery and confinement in connection with alleged crimes committed against a Sturgis, Michigan man as well. The witness reference in the Kimberly Dyer case is a man by the name of Robert Porter. In April of 2021, three men were arrested in their connection to the murder of a young woman named Kimberly Dyer. They were charged with murder and level three criminal confinement resulting in serious bodily injury. Porter says he got involved in this mess because he was selling marijuana. He says he's connected with three people, including Dyer via Facebook. They met up in Michigan and eventually all end up back at a house in Elkhart where they hung out and partied. Porter says he witnessed them beating, burning, waterboarding, and forcing Kimberly to consume bleach before she was murdered at the Elkhart home. Porter is from Sturgis and says he was beaten, robbed, and humiliated by the same men who murdered Kimberly. At the trial, one of the three men charged with Kimberly's murder stated that Porter knew what happened to Brittany. According to Case.com, the state also filed a pretrial motion in limine on April 13, 2021, that sought to limit Angulo's cross-examination of Porter at trial. More particularly, the state asserted that based upon questions Angulo's counsel had asked Porter during a deposition about a missing persons case involving someone named Brittany Shank, and anticipated that Angulo would seek to cross-examine Porter about that topic. The state alleged that Porter's testimony about Shank's disappearance would be irrelevant and inadmissible, and that such evidence would only serve to inflame the passions of the jury and leave a misimpression with them. September 25th, 2021. It's Ashley. I must have hit on something close because shit just ramped up in a way I never saw coming. I never would have seen it coming, not in a million years. 
Me and Porter don't have beef. Never have. Ever. He helped. He helped kill Kimberly. He participated, and he's walking free. The Kings are responsible for her death, and now he's looking for me, telling people she's dead because of me. Given the fact that Ashley continues to message me into October about her interactions with Porter, and the reference to Brittany's case and the Kimberly Dyer case documents, felt it was time to reach out to Porter. At Porter's request, his voice has been altered. Thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. Hello? She did mention that you're familiar with what's going on and what we're doing or what I'm trying to do. Is that right? For Brittany's case? All I know is I don't really know much about it. Like, just know that you guys you have a podcast. That's about it. Let me start with this. I know I'm pretty familiar, at least I've read, about what happened previously with the with the Dyer case. And that's not necessarily why I'm here, why I want to go over all that stuff. But I wanted to kind of chat with you briefly about Brittany Shank, or also known as Brittany Wallace. Are you familiar with her case and what happened? Oh, I just know she came up missing. I know that. I really don't know what really happened. I try to not follow that kind of stuff. Did you ever meet Brittany? No. Oh, well, I, I, I think I did one time when she was dating uh, uh, Daniel. I know that for like a brief minute. Yeah, I didn't even know who she was. I had her on my Facebook too, but I met her later. Cage is with her and he brings her there. That's where you meet her for the first time? Yeah, and they didn't, didn't they just like, they didn't believe it. So it was just, he, he popped in, said that he's in town, and then they left. Do you remember what year this is? <laughs> no, not really. It was, it was a while ago. Uh, I guess it would be 17. And that was the only time you met her? Yeah. We, we, we weren't even even induced, like, you know, this is Robert, this is Brittany. I was even introduced like that. He just showed up with somebody. And then you never interacted with her after that, though? Oh, no, I never even interacted with her, really. He just showed up. He just said, hey, I'm in town, Rich. Let's go get some juice later. They were there, and then he left. Yeah, but that's the only time I've ever laid eyes on her, ever. What about the Facebook friend? The what? You mentioned that you guys are Facebook friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had, I just had her. I don't know if she had me or I had her. When that, when this, uh, the whole case about uh, Kimberly or whatever, they said, "Oh, you must know who she is," or something. I was like, "Not really," but you have her on your Facebook. It's like sometimes you don't really know who you have on Facebook. You just add a bunch of people, somebody adds you, sends you a question, you don't know, like, you can have, like, 500 friends, you don't know every single one of them personally, you know what I mean? Yeah, I could believe, yeah, I could believe that. I mean, I know that sometimes some people are pretty private with their stuff. And there's some people who allow friend requests to kind of come and go. So they actually came to you and said, hey, you were friends with her on Facebook. Yeah, which was, I was like, okay. Yeah, I was like, what, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to say here? Like, 
you try to like, I don't know, it was kind of weird. Even the prosecutor's like, I don't even know why they even brought that up. I think it's a fair question to ask because this girl goes missing. You're involved with the Kimberly Dyer situation. We're trying to connect any dot that there is. So wanting to know if there's any connection, I mean, this wouldn't be the first, nor will it be the last case where they try to not pin things on people, but they're going to cross-reference relationships and see if there's any connection to this person who's disappeared. Yeah, I understand the cops doing that, but not a, but not a, but not a lawyer. You know what I mean? I understand that, but not a lawyer. That's what I'm trying to say. A lawyer said that to me. If you think back in 2021, October 2021, what was going on in your life during that time? Were you, did you just gotten released or were you out for a while already? Hold on, let's see, 21, uh, might have been, I don't know. I was around Sturgis, I know that, but not like, I don't know. I was, I was back and forth from Allegan to Sturgis a lot. Well, there's a girl by the name of Ashley Marie. So I want to talk to you about her. Okay. Yeah, I don't like her too much. What happened there? What's going on? Oh, okay. Are you talking about where I got sucker punched? Is that what you're talking about? In 2021, Ashley and I were already in communication because I'm trying to figure out what happened to Brittany. She claims to be Brittany's best friend, but she brings you into the picture in 2021 in October where she mentions you looking for her for certain reasons that you feel maybe she had some sort of stake in or some sort of involvement with being the person that was supposed to be Kimberly Dyer and how you think she has the snitch list. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get you, I get you, I get you, I get you, I get you. I get you. When, uh, when all that stuff came around, you know, all that happened, they found a book or whatever. I told the police this too. I was like, they found something. They were, like, trying to blame her, but then after all that shit happened, I didn't know who Ashley was, and then I finally found out who Ashley was, and I was pissed off. I was like, what the fuck? I found out where she was, and I went and confronted her about it personally. And I said, you know, you're pretty fucked up and all that in the head and all that to have that shit, and she said it wasn't her. Yeah, it wasn't nothing to do with her, so I let it go. Oh, because she, she knows the same person I know. She knows the It was my though. So we went over his house, you know, I hung out and stuff like that, and then uh, she went over, uh, we went over to my aunt's house. She had his laptop stolen, right? She told me to go get the laptop, laptop back for her, so I did. I walk in there, I get the laptop from the two girls, I walk up, I walk in the living room, like, who are you? I said, my reporter, he started to punch me. Bloody my shit, like, I go get surgery and stuff like that. Told her she broke your fucking ass here. I just got my fucking shit busted up for no damn reason, you know what I mean? And so she came all the way back and drove me home. That's the only really interaction, like, oh, and I stole a Jeep once, too. I did do that. I remember that. But yeah, that's the only interaction that I really had with her, but she's she's really, like, you know, she's really manipulative. You know what I mean? You had reached out and wanted to make contact with Ashley originally because, in, in reference to told me like a little bit after all that all this shit happened that it wasn't even her book it was this uh ashley moringa or marina girl that shaved half her head so i started looking for it and goes hey well she's at my house i was like okay well, i'm coming over so i got uh, i went to the house and they had me they were sitting there worried i told them i ain't gonna do nothing look stupid like that anyways 
You know what I mean? See, I really don't know whose book it was, but I was just trying to figure out where it came from because I heard she's that way. And I don't know what her connection to those two were at all, but then I figured out because she knows those people. She was down there, too. She's the main reason why all that shit happened to me down there. Yeah, it's just one big bad fuck-up shit that I don't even like to be around, you know? I won't call you because... One of the, you want to have some information on that Ashley girl or whatever like that. But I try to stay far away from all that, all that I can. Because accusations get people in trouble. People here, man, they're all on meth. They can get some fictitious shit in their head and they would run with it. And then it goes to this and this and this and this and this and that, you know what I mean? And it's sickening. That all that's like that, and I feel bad for the, I feel bad for her mom. You know what I mean? That's why I, that's why I did what I did for Kimberly, for her mom and her kids and all that shit like that. You know what I mean? Because it's not right. An innocent person, no matter what, shouldn't be done. That that should be done too. You know? And I, me, I was tortured for three damn days. You know? Over this bullshit, over weed, and just fucking people being like that, and that shit happened. It really fucked up my life, man. From when that happened, I heavily started using drugs. I just try to stay away from all that shit that I can't stay away from. You eventually are, are willing to go to even the lengths of retrieving a laptop for her, though. Yeah, because I felt bad because I got stolen at a house that where, you know, it's like, she's like my aunt, you know, so I felt bad for her. And plus, she asked me to go get it. So I was like, yeah, I'll go get it for you. That's fine. You know, she was paying me to do it. She was paying you to do it? Yeah, she paid me to go get it. She's like, hey, I'll give you some money to go get the laptop for me. Because I guess I had some really information on it or something like that. And it was expensive. It was like a, one of those Apple, Apple top laptops or something like that. So how much she pay you, if you don't mind me asking? About two bucks. You say 200 Yeah. You had nothing to do with Brittany Shank's disappearance? And there's no connection between the people involved with Kimberly Dyers. I know the people who, who were involved obviously got arrested. I, I'm aware. But there's no connection with those people in that household with Brittany Shane. I don't think so. You never heard any rumor, any story about it being connected no. from those people? No, sir. Okay. It ruins my reputation and who, you know, I got close friends and they know who the fuck I am. And it's like, you know what I mean? I always get the shit into the deal the whole, all, every time. It's because I'm, I'm an easy patsy for people and, I, and I'm getting real fucking sick of that shit. But I'm, I'm done with that. You know, I've been clean. I've been in jail for the past six or about eight months now. And I ain't going to deal with none of these people ever again. Obviously, it's just one big battery. You know what I mean? I was in solitary confinement, you know. I came to peace with myself. I came to the fact that I need to just move on from it and to grow from the situation. And that's where I'm at now. I'm healthier for it and in my mind and this, I'm better, you know? We're leaning towards Porter having no involvement in Brittany's disappearance. But now that you know what we know, we're leaving it up to you to decide where Porter sits on your own suspect board.
All right, Sarah, this next testimony we're going to dive into is Donald Hills. And we've done extensive work on Donald Hills property. We did the GPR that listeners are familiar with. And from day one, Donald's name was thrown into this case and an investigation as far as almost like a hub of the rumors and theories of what happened to Brittany surrounded Donald's house. The GPR we did, we had some anomalies in various different locations and odd places. We probed down and we were able to extract some soil. We found out that there were no human remains coming from the test. We also had other parts of the property that we were looking into. We had to do some research to find out where these barns were at because of Google Earth. We were able to go back quite a few years. And we're not going to dive into too much because uh, we're still working on some stuff. But Don has been someone that I've been for quite a while been trying to get a hold of. It was very, very challenging. Couldn't find this guy. He was kind of off the, he was off the radar. Finding out that law enforcement was able to conduct an interview with him, I was anxious to read what he had to say. So take us to Donald Hill's testimony. March 4th, 2021, Michigan law enforcement reaches out to authorities in Wyoming regarding Brittany's case. They tell Wyoming authorities that they're looking to locate and speak with Hill. Officers in Wyoming attempt to make contact with Hill, and they're hoping to request that he take a polygraph. The next day, coincidentally, he's pulled over for a traffic stop, and the officer who makes contact with Hill takes the opportunity to speak with him about the situation in Michigan. They request that Don follow the officer to the station and give a statement. Even though Don voices his confusion over why they would be questioning him, he obliges and he follows the officer to the station. Once at the station, they get into the interview and Hill says right away that he doesn't know Brittany. He didn't know Brittany. He never met her. And he says he knows nothing about her disappearance. Hill says his house was a madhouse when he lived in Michigan. And lots of wild things happened there, including violent assaults, where young women were given drugs and sexually assaulted by... Initially, Hill says he left Michigan a week before Brittany disappeared. And then shortly after, he said that he didn't arrive in Wyoming until December, which, as we know, is, you know, well after her disappearance. Hill told investigators that he worked very long hours at a power plant when he was in Michigan. So anything could have happened at his home when he was at work. At the end of Hill's interview, he was emotional and got up to leave and threw a water bottle that he'd been drinking from in the trash. And he pauses and reaches into the trash bin to take the water bottle back. At this time, he exits the interview room and leaves the station with water bottle in tow. Officers believe he did this so as not to leave DNA behind. Honestly, I was expecting more, but understanding that this is coming from a totally different county, states away, they obviously don't have the information like St. Joe County does. Yeah, they have no background, really. 
one thing that sticks out right away is that he says, I don't know nothing. I don't know anything about that. And then the tone changes very quickly and uh-huh. says things like, well, all I know it was at my house. If you had no idea about this, how did you know about it, the, all the rumors being surrounding you that it was at your house? This is again, they asked you why, if you knew any information, you said no. But then he also says he researches it. When did you do this research? And when did you find out you were mm-hmm. the center of the rumors and that it was at your house? I don't know if he's saying, all I know is it's my house. Like, it's just my house. I don't know what happened there. Or it, if he's saying, you know, I, all I know is it happened at my house. That's it. So I think that's a can, kind of confusing. And I wish that they pressed him on that a little more. Kind of wonder what's going on with this house and the fires. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. Why is there a continuing effort and attempt to burn this house down? And because the first attempt is what, 10 or I'm sorry, December 15th? Correct. Correct. The second one is? The 19th. It was, it was interesting to see their explanation of his behavior and his emotions. They say, uh, they give a kind of a detail of what his emotions and, and body language is like while he's there. Share that with us. They know in the report, um, throughout the beginning of the interview, Hill could not sit still, was visibly nervous and twitchy and constantly shifting weight and moving. Later in the interview, as more details were brought up and officers began to ask harder questions, Hill's behavior changed. He was able to sit still, was calmer, and the behavior change occurred when officers mentioned to Hill that blood and female underwear were located in his Michigan house basement. The conversation regarding possible DNA evidence and possible suspects further revealed a similar defeated behavior from Hill. So in all fairness, I had asked you this question. I said, if you had been called in and they said, there's this girl who's missing, we need to talk to you about this. And you get brought into the interview room and you got two officers sitting there questioning you. Are you going to be nervous? Yeah, of course. Regardless of, and if you're nervous, then your body language is not acting normal. Then more than likely you're responding to it. So would you be nervous? I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about, did you steal a 10 cent piece of candy? We're talking about, you know, somebody's life. I'd be nervous. Would you be nervous? Yeah, I mean, knowing his background too and him saying all sorts of shit was going on at my house and I would be nervous because I'm trying to figure out, am I I about, you know, did something actually go down? Am I being set up? Am I involved? And now they're catching on. Like there's all sorts of things that he could be thinking about in this moment. But innocent position, yeah, yeah, this isn't normal for me. Going down to police station, getting questioned about a missing person, it's not normal. So, of course, my emotions, it's like people get pulled over. I mean, it's just not normal, and you know that you're dealing with law enforcement. I think it's natural human reaction. As he continues, it's interesting that they mentioned the female underwear. Yeah. And DNA, possible DNA, and he, they say he shows similar signs of, of that defeated behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, what's his mental- mentality now? Is he thinking shit I'm about to be set up? Is he thinking shit they found it? Is he, I'm in trouble? Like what, you know, what is it? I mean, I think there's there's so many possibilities there and you know you're thinking, 
well, this was my house, you know, I did have women there. Who knows whose underwear it could be? Could my DNA be on it? Sure, I don't know, you know? I mean, adults engage in adult activities, so could that be possible? Sure, I mean, that would make me nervous. I know that you can answer a lot of these questions though, and we can eliminate a lot of these theories or, or mm-hmm. is when did you actually leave? Mm-hmm. When did you move? Yeah. Knowing when he moved can help us establish the direction we wanted to go with his behavior here. Absolutely. While they're at this interview with Donald, with Donald, they let him know that they have some screenshots and ultimately, ultimately, this is what St. Joe County provides to the Wyoming law enforcement assisting. And this is what they want to use to interview him. You know, we don't actually see the identity, but we have a really good idea on who this individual is. And we're going to leave it at that. But this is what they provide to Wyoming to use. So they took this person's testimony seriously. It's important. I think it was it was important for them to word this the way that they did it at the end of the interview interview when they were closing it up because one of the requests St. Joe does make is that they request the polygraph. At the end of the interview, Donald was emotional and got up to walk out, throwing his water bottle in the trash. I think they're they're explaining that this isn't probably the time to ask, maybe. Because there's follow-up to this and what do you know? Donald disappears again. Tell us about what happens next. So in June, three months later, June 5th, Wyoming law enforcement reaches out to Michigan law enforcement to follow up. And what they tell Michigan is that they have made several attempts to locate Don to reach him, and it has been fully unsuccessful. He uh, seems to have left the area. Since we started investigating, we've been trying to find Donald Hill for quite a while. Until recently. On December 15th, 2022, Don finally sent me a message via Facebook. You're a faggot. I never did nothing. To nobody. I never even met that girl. And the night, whatever happened, I was working at the nuclear plant on Michigan Lake. I guess this means we can add Don Hill to the big mad list. Thanks for making contact, Don. From one father to another, I imagine you'd do anything for your kids. So I hope you can understand and respect how this is affecting Brittany's family. Brittany's case is still open, Don. There's still time to sit down with your local law enforcement to take that polygraph or reach out to your former employer and make an attempt to get your employment records. Since you were at the nuclear plant the night Brittany went missing, right? The choice is yours. In the last episode, we discussed how Ashley sent the former sheriff a photo of Jeffrey Kay. and asked that he have one of his deputies take the photo to Brittany's grandma to see if she can identify him as the guy that was with Brittany the night of November 30th. The former sheriff does this, and eventually, grandma is shown a picture of Jeffrey. She says 
she feels certain this is the person that was with Brittany. We know that Ashley provides a picture to Sheriff Bulk, and she tells us early on that the individual that she de- describes or she the picture that she shares is of Jeffrey, somebody who was a runner for her. And by runner, I mean delivering drugs. And she says this the description that Grandma gives Eric, and she relates that Eric relates to her, reminds her of Jeffrey. They send the picture. Grandma looks at that picture. She gives a positive ID. She says she feels certain this is the person that was with Brittany on the night of the 30th. I immediately wanted to know, okay, what's what's Jeffrey's statue? Does he fit the description other than the look on the face? I mean, um, does he fit this the, the, the body description of Mystery Man? From what I understand, his stature fits the description that was given, you know, the first description that was given very early on. And that's, you know, 5'6 to 5'8, thin build, blonde hair at that time what i see is very light brown hair if i were to look at jeffrey and sheldon there appears to be a drastic difference then not similar at all grandma's saying this is the guy she thinks who is with britney so law enforcement gets a a positive id on this individual who grandma says was with britney the night she goes missing mystery man let's jump into Jeffrey's testimony with law enforcement. Okay. So on 12-13 of 2018, the detectives are looking to track down Jeffrey Kiesling and they go to the travel inn in Indiana and they attempt to figure out if he's staying there or not. And when they ask the desk, the front desk, uh, if anybody by this name is there, uh, Jeffrey's name, they say no. And they finally figured out that the room is under his sister's name. So they ask if they can, you know, go down to the room and interview to have a chat with Jeffrey. He says, sure. They, they go down there and they interview Jeffrey and in the interview, Jeffrey is adamant that he doesn't know who Brittany is. He has no idea who she is and he's never met her. The deputy speaks to Jeffrey's sister and she says that she does know who Brittany is, um, that she babysat for her approximately three years earlier, which is about the time that she last sees Brittany. And then the deputy asks if he can get a picture of Jeffrey because his sergeant has not seen what he looked like. And Jeffrey agrees. They take a picture and that ends their visit with Jeffrey and his sister that day. Interesting that brother doesn't know the girl who's missing, but sister does. And, and, and she was even babysitting her kids. Like I, I find that interesting and I 
kind of wondering, is anybody showing a picture of what Brittany looks like? Because if we're not just going off of last names, can we see a picture? You know, I'm, I'm guessing that a picture wasn't provided. But this is the guy Grandma IDs. Knowing that this was the guy that was ID'd, I'm kind of surprised with the level of interrogation that was applied here. I mean, you went to where he had requested you to come to, which is the travel in. And we know Dutchie confirms that that's where they were staying. But for someone who's being ID'd with a girl who's missing, I would have expected that they would have brought him in to the interview room at the station and applied more pressure. Especially when sister's there with him saying, well, I know who she is. I know who she is. But, but he's saying right in front of her, well, he doesn't. And it's just, I'm just surprised with the lack of pressure that they applied here. I mean, he's sitting in the comfort of his own home. His sister and he are not close. Okay, that's one thing. Like, you know, I don't know who my brother hangs out with. I don't know who my sister hangs out with. I don't know. But these siblings are staying in a motel room together. So that tells me their relationship is close. She is babysitting for Brittany's kids three years prior it's curious to me that he wouldn't know. So they take a statement and then they leave. Nothing else happens? They take his statement and, you know, her brief statement. That's it. And and to be fair, his his it's not just her statement that's brief. It's His is also very brief. We know that eventually at some point in time after this, they actually come across a picture that shows Jeffrey... With Brittany, we've never seen that picture, but law enforcement gets their hands on it and they request him to come back in again because now you're not telling us the truth. What happens next? So on 610, they interviewed Jeffrey again and this time they, they interview him at the St. Joseph County Jail where he's currently lodged at, the, at that time. On 6-10-19, they interview Jeffrey again, and they interview him this time at St. Joseph County Jail, where he was currently lodged. They ask Jeffrey about Brittany Shank, and he stated that he knew Brittany when she was married to her first husband. And he stated that he went to school with her first husband and that he knows him and that he had told investigators early in the investigation that he did not know Brittany Shank, and he stated that he did not know that her name was Brittany Shank. He thought her name was Brittany W., we'll just say. It's not Wallace. It's a different last name. Uh, so he mistakes her, Brittany Shank, for this other Brittany W. at the time, and he says that he later found out that her last name had been changed to Shank. He stated he was not trying to lie to them and that he knew Brittany through her Facebook and her Facebook pictures and that he met her once or twice in public. He stated that it was more of a high-bye type meeting and that there was really no conversation. He stated he wasn't sure how long ago that was and he stated it was maybe a couple years uh, the last time that he saw her and then began to reiterate how he had originally told investigators he didn't know Brittany because he asked if, because they asked if if he knew Brittany Shank, and again he's telling them he thought that she was this other Brittany W. 
He states that he found out Brittany's last name was Shank because a subject by the name of Eric Shank had confronted him with a baton. And he says that Eric was threatening him and stating that uh, Jeffrey fit the description of the man that was last seen with Brittany. And he says this is when he realized that Brittany's name was not this other W last name, but in fact was Brittany Shank. Jeffrey stated that he did not know where Brittany Shank was. He stated he did not kill Brittany Shank, nor does he know who killed Brittany Shank. He stated he would be willing to take a polygraph if they requested. And that's about the end of his interview. This is a really interesting testimony. I mean, this whole situation, because I'm trying to understand, you know, Grandma saying in the most recent days leading up to her disappearance, like, that's him. And Jeff saying, like, I met her twice, but I, that's not me. And then you have, I mean, it starts off with, I don't even know who that is. Like, I feel like we could have been able to handle this if we would have had a picture maybe present to be able to say, you don't know who this female is? Yeah, I think at, at, at the first meeting, you know, when, when the deputies visit him at the travel lodge, I think had they established who she was with a picture, I think this could have been cleared up then. And perhaps he would have realized the last name. Um, if that's, you know, a true statement, but, you know, not showing a picture, I think is a big oof. I mean, that's a tough position for him to be in. If he's not the guy, best thing he can do is what say, Hey, I'll take a poly. What do I got to do to clear my name? Like, here's my DNA. Here's my, I'll take a polygraph. You know, I'll, I'll answer questions. What, what is it? It's hard because it's like, did you deny who you knew who she was knowing who she was? And it's catching up and you have to like play along and add on to the lies. Yes, it's a tough position to be in. But to play devil's advocate here, they're not really pressing him. So what, you know, what, what does he have to prove if they're not really pressing him? You know, he's going to carry on with his, his life. He's going to complete his time being housed at the, at the county jail and go on with his his life they're they're not pressing him then we have the whole situation with eric and the baton when he realizes who it is that Brittany that they're referring to it's because eric's confronting him with a baton threatening him because he fit the description i guess if this picture was shown to grandma and she positively ids him gotta say point for ashley yes certainly i mean especially that early on this is the freshest memory we are going to get. Hearing Eric is threatening Jeffrey saying, hey, you fit the description, pressing him. I'm not surprised by the behavior. I'm going to give credit where credit is due if it fits what, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've been trying to talk to Jeffrey for quite a while. And I kept getting the runaround and kept getting the runaround and kept getting the runaround. Finally, I was able to get Jeffrey on the phone. Jeffrey, man, it's been 
a minute. I've been trying to get a hold of you. What's what's been going on, man? Um, where do you want to start? Let me just start with this. Did you know Brittany? Um, when I got questioned by the police the first time, I I initially accept. You know, I told them no because I knew her as Wallace, not as Shane. I, I knew her from when she was married to my friend Justin Persing. When you were questioned by police, so they obviously called you in. Well, they came and saw, they came and saw me at the motel me and my sister were staying at. And because I stayed there with her and my nephews, watching my nephews. My sister's Robin. You're questioned by the police, and they ask if you know who Brittany... And initially I told them... No, because I, like I said, I knew her as Shank, not Wallace. But then when they came back the second time and asked me, why'd you say that you didn't know her? I'm like, I explained to them that, you know, I knew her as Wallace. I knew her from when she was with Justin for seeing for a short while. But other than that. What was your interaction like with her since she was when she was married or she was with Justin Persing? I think I was at when they lived in the apartments. It was like I think it was the brick apartments over by uh, the library there in Sturgis. Uh, I was there like I think once with Justin, and it was like I was in there for like five minutes, you know, smoked a cigarette or something like that, and then left. I had no idea that she had like babysat for my sister or my sister babysat for her. I don't know how, which way it went, but apparently that was brought to my attention too, like to prior to that. You didn't ever like party with her, never hooked up with her, never interacted with her like that? Not that I knew, like nothing significant enough for me to like honestly remember because like, and like the whole Ashley thing, I want to clear that up too. Pro- I promise you we're going we're gonna to get to that. I just want to make sure we just kind of stay in order if we could. Yeah. I, I I promise you we'll get to it. Okay, so you didn't know Britt really on a personal level. You knew of her. You don't ever recall parting with her or nah. from, I, I feel like you would know if you hooked up with her, right? Like what? You would know, like if you had ever had any kind of like physical relationship with her, you oh, should know yeah, that. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Never yeah, I mean, I'm totally, I'm not, um, I don't know. I'm not like that fucked up. Right. But that never happened though, right? No, no, that never happened. In the summer of 2018, did you know Ashley? Yeah, I'm going to say that I was actually most recently introduced to her. Most recently? or uh, Larry. When did you meet her? Um, When she was living at the apartments. Okay, so you meet her through Larry in 2018. Yeah, at Village Manor. Do you remember who was, who was over at Ashley's house often? From what I remember, I know, I know obviously them two were there and myself, but... Other than that, I was only there like a handful of times. And, like it was just somebody was looking for something to smoke, so I showed up with a little bit of money, you know, allegedly, whatever. But other than that, I was not by no means any type of runner for anybody at that point in time. I was just, you know, just a normal struggling addict out there. When do you become a runner for Ashley? I don't, I don't recall ever running for anybody like that. Like, actually, I got into some trouble 
and uh, just young a couple of years ago got done with some felony probation and stuff. Like, where are you staying at in November of 2018? I want to say my brother's place. So, when do you move to the apartment with sister? Um, we we were down at the motel. I can't remember what year it was though. I know it was winter though, because I was on I was out on bond for my charges in Indiana, and I wasn't even supposed to be in Michigan. What was supposed to be in Michigan? When I was on my probation, or uh, while I was out on bond and and or when I was on probation, I'm trying to remember the time frame exactly, but Robin can help help with this a little bit more because she she was there. I mean, I stayed with her and my nephews, and at that point in time, you know, I was in between, you know, having facing in charges and stuff and that kind of be so sober and and it was just uh, it was a struggle then you in november of 2018 i'm trying to because like i said so sorry i'm trying to narrow it down because when police come and talk to you they have a reason for for that and so i'm trying to trying to follow along i know that you are you were on probation you were in indiana at the time i know that obviously Brittany's incident takes place in michigan did they ever ask you what you were doing what you were doing on november 30th yeah, 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 of course. They asked me everything that they were supposed you know, I, I would assume that they asked me everything that they were supposed to ask me. And I, I, I even got questioned when I was in jail by an investigator. They asked me where I was the, you know, the day that she came out missing. And, and then, like, I was, when I was on probation, my PO down in Indiana, she even said, well, there's a video or something like that, some kind of video footage or something that almost looks like me or something. And I was like, that's possible because, you know, that's crazy because I've been, you know, I was doing better at that time, but I wasn't fucking up like that. Like, you know, I wasn't on no dumb stuff. I mean, do you ever start hanging around over at Ashley's? I, I did a little bit, but not, not as much as just being made out to be. Like, I mean, I hung out there like a handful of times, maybe, you know, for two three hours maybe six at most and then that's about it i'd take off and it'd be a while for i had any need to go over there or whatever so would you ever consider yourself one of her runners um me personally no because i only honestly ever moved like maybe two beds for like there's only ever a couple and handful of situations where she was like, "Shit, I need to make this little bit of money up," da 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 da, so on and so forth. I, I never, it wasn't like a daily thing or anything. I didn't usually pay attention a whole lot of the times to who really was there when I went there because usually it was like an in and out type of thing. But I do remember one time when I was there, Eric Shank came up to me while me and Ashley were sitting there talking. And he came in there with a wooden police baton, and he said, you know, he he swear he swore that I fit the description of the person that was seen with Brittany last. But you know, I don't even have mutton chops. I can't, I can't go mutton chops to save my life. <laughs> you're at Ashley's. You're with Ashley. You're hand, you're hanging out, whatever you're doing. But Eric comes over, and what does he say to you? He said, um. Yeah, he first started with like, 
where's my wife? Do you know where my wife is? And then why do you fit the description or something like that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And he turns around and says, I got like three other people in another room just in case you get out of hand. And I'm like, bro, you got three other people in another room for my little ass. <laughs> really? Like, I was like, honestly, right? if I knew something, I would tell you. But I'm not going to sit here and lie, lie to you because I didn't know the severity of the situation of her even being missing until, until that day when I got questioned like that, you know? Because that's kind of like, whoa, what the fuck? Do you know how long after Brittany goes missing that he confronts you about this? I know there was probably, there's definitely snow on the ground, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so we're thinking at least maybe December, maybe middle of January, because I know that there's... Yeah, I would believe so. So it's it's that either twenty late 2018 or early 2019 that this encounter goes down where Eric is like confronting you and saying, why do you fit the description? Yeah, but I, but I mean, I didn't think that I did, but, but I mean, there's a couple people that said something about it, like... I really, I didn't think that I fit the description at the time. And then I saw him, like, I just kept, kept seeing my picture pop up on everything. And I've been hearing more and more negative about it. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll just give him a call. Because uh, honestly, when I first had thought about the whole idea of it, I was I, I was like, you know, if, if she's, she's, she's gone, let her, let her rest. But, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was just hard for me to talk about because I mean I don't I don't remember a whole lot of those those days particularly and when I'm put on the spot like that I'm just um, well I mean as much as you might want to think that we need to let you know lay, lay it to rest I mean but the thing is is that Greg still wants to put his baby to rest you know yeah yeah I figure out what happened to her that I know exactly that that's absolutely I agree with that 100 percent. I just at first it was, it was I was like if me talking to you actually helps you guys figure out things and be cool I'm glad to be part of that but I'm not oblivious to the fact that I'm coming here and I'm prodding around on, and looking under you know rocks and not necessarily everybody want, that likes that and desires that I get it I think most people if you understand like what we're doing right now is the purpose of what I'm trying to do is to try to find this girl and what happened to her yeah go let's go to the time that you're over again back at Ashley's house did you go over just to kind of get some, you know, score some dope or to sell or to do a run for Ashley? Or did you go over there that day that Eric confronts you for the purpose of them wanting to talk to you about the case? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I had no idea even about the whole the whole case or anything until, until the day he pulled that police baton out. And, like, he just, like, walked in with it. And, and like, that day she hit me up as asked if I had any sales or anything like that. And I come over, I can, I don't know, I just felt the vibe was just off the, as soon as I walked in. And then he come walking into the room like five minutes after we're sitting there, you know, and just started questioning me. There wasn't no prior engagement of, of me contact, contacting him or him contacting me to meet up, to talk about anything. It was, it was just boom, here I am. I want answers and I'm like, I don't have these answers for you. So, like, what do you what do you want from me? Like, right. So, is he aggressive when he's confronting you? Well, I mean, yeah. as much as you can be. I mean, you're just pacing around somebody with a police baton, you know, smacking it off your hands, like, you know, trying to play 
hardball or whatever. Like I, he wanted me to take him seriously, and I, I was taking him seriously. But at the same time, when he, when he says, I got three other people in another room in case you get out of hand. Like I'm like, dude, I'm a little guy. Come on, bro. Really, let's let, let's be real about that. Like, besides that, I don't have no reason to fight fight anybody, anyways, because I haven't done anything. <laughs> How's that situation end? He just kind of like just finished questioning me, and he said, um, "Don't let me find out that you're lying to me." Or something like that, something to that effect, and uh, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what's the end of it. But but is Ashley involved in questioning you, questioning you while Eric is questioning you? Is is it just Eric? As far as I can remember, she she kind of she was there for, but I don't remember her really adding to the interrogation or anything to that effect. From what I can remember, I don't know. She may have agreed or disagreed at some point. I wasn't paying attention. My, my full attention was on him because he was, you know, threatening me, basically, you know. So I was focused on making sure I wasn't in any actual danger. Did you ever see who the other three individuals in the other room were? No, no, actually I didn't. Could you hear if there was anybody else in the other room? Or, was, or do you think that this was just him? I couldn't, I couldn't really honestly tell you at the time because I was, uh, I mean, you know, I was, no. I was using, you know, I was, I was all tweaked out already, so paranoid as it is. And then that guy walks in there like that, and you're just like, my mind goes to, is he actually going to do something with that fucking bat thing in his hand or what? Like, it's, you know, you got for every action, there's a reaction. And if you don't react in the proper way, so in some situations, you, you know, put yourself in danger. Do you remember going back over to Ashley's over that often, or did you ever have another run in with Eric? Um, no, I never really ran into him again after that, but... That was it. Eric never really confronts you again, right? No, I mean, not that I can recall anyways. Okay. I think you, I mean, if you can recall that one, I think if you can recall the fact that he has a baton, he's walking, he's pacing back and forth, he's trying to intimidate you. I got three other guys in the other room if you get out of hand. Like, you remember that. So I would say you would remember probably if he tried to do something like that again, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did you ever hear how your name got brought into this? Um, just from what Sheldon said, right? Uh, you tell me what Sheldon said. I, I, I mean, I heard on the one podcast that he said something about me saying something that I was like, I said something creepy about how Google watches your uh, location even when it's turned off. Around the time I even would have said something like that. It was like, I heard something on TV about a lawsuit that somebody had going on because Google was tracking somebody's location with it, even when they had it off or something like that. And I mentioned it and it turned into a whole big thing. I'm just trying to understand when you read that and it's a, is that a concern for you? Was that, a, was that a concern for you? Was that a what? Was it a concern for you? Like just the idea of Google tracking you or something? No, I just, I just... I'm random like that sometimes. I just, if I, I know random facts about dumb shit or, you know, just little things like that, it's, I don't, I speak them. I mean, I, I just happened to say that when I was, I'm pretty sure I was obviously on drugs then. But. Was that you out at Grandma's house that night? No, sir. I was yes to be 
some kind of fall guy or something, to be honest, because fact is, I, I just I wasn't me. And like I said, even now, um, I barely can grow a fucking beard and a mustache, let alone Martin Chops. You know, I think there's been like maybe one or two pictures on my Facebook or something like that where I might look like I might start to look like Grizzly Adams or something, but no, I just usually pretty clean shaven for the most part, but I can't grow Martin Chops. I mean, what what is your build, Jeff? What are you, five? I don't know, I'd say five, nine. Maybe. Maybe. I'm probably like six foot now. I like to think anyways. Did you say you think you're six foot now? Yeah. I'd like to think that. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty short. I don't know if people grow like that, do they? <laughs> What's your, which, okay, so you're, I'm just trying to compare yourself to the statue of the person that was there that night. I'm just, I'm like one, one, like 140 pounds. Knowing that Eric and Ashley were the ones that really kind of put your name out there. And that's what, again, this is what Ashley told me. You think you, they were putting you out as a fall guy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if there's any kind of fucking, conspiracy going on there then you know obviously there's got to be somebody that's got to take some kind of fall for something because you can't cover something like that up without it going noticed obviously because to me it's like unless she's in some kind of like witness protection thing and then what you know yeah and that's not i don't think that that's that's what's going on i know that's why i'm saying that they throw me out there like a fall guy Mind you, I'm totally at the time I'm like not oblivious to everything that's going on, but like I'm just I was just at a point in my life where I was just just getting high. And that was it. Yeah. Like the one time they asked me about some some ink for the printer or something like that, but other than that, why would they be asking you about some ink for a printer? Say that again. Uh, I don't know. It was just, it was just I was something that I can remember. Cause I remember that's that's where my interaction was like. Uh, Pocket came in. We went to Walmart one time, and like he was trying to show me what kind of ink he needed. Blah blah blah. But I, I never, I wasn't like, I didn't really steal from stores or anything like that. So they were trying to get some ink for a printer. Him and Ashley. So he was just showing me what kind of ink they needed and. They were trying to get some ink, but I mean, I, I would have just bought it, but I didn't have the money, so, and like, I didn't steal it. Eventually, somebody probably got them what they needed, but I, I didn't. That's what I'm talking And I'm imagining this is to print money, obviously. I'm not the picture that, that people are trying to paint out there. I'm not I'm some monster or something. I'm just, I just stay to myself and try to, you know, I live. Okay. And that wasn't you at Grandma's house the night that Brittany goes missing on November 30th? No. Absolutely not. Never been in the car with Brittany before? No, not that, not that I can recall, no. I, and I I stay pretty coherent most of the time because I'm not like a heavy drinker or anything, so... Bottom line is I don't... That's not me. <laughs> if you really understand to like, get to know me, understand me you know the fact that I don't I don't have I wouldn't have that in me I'm just that's not me I'm not by no means anybody that's gonna try to fucking hurt somebody in that kind of extent or make somebody disappear you know that's just crazy to me 
But I, I want to go back to what you, if you remember what you told them you were doing on November 30th, the on 2018. I was probably watching my nephews, to be honest with you. We've heard from a list of people who stepped up and spoke to law enforcement. There's a lot of statements that we didn't get into for one reason or another. There are even statements in the case file from people who were proactive and went to law enforcement with what they know. They didn't need to be chased down. They didn't need to be found. They just did what was right. Maybe because they have compassion for Brittany's family. Or maybe because they know you can wreck your future running from your past. Either way, over the last couple weeks, you've heard from a group of key people who have become involved in Brittany's case in one way or another. There's an old saying about giving credit where credit is due. Sheldon, Glide, Chuck Allen, Cage, Zach Bowman, Eric Bowman, Ashley, Larry, Chris and Jeffrey. We might not agree. We may not like some of the things that were said. And it may have not all been the truth. But each of you provided law enforcement with pieces of the puzzle that, in the end, may prove to be valuable. You may have noticed one person's statement conspicuously missing from the lineup. So I guess that means the last person to address here is Eric S., Brittany's husband. On September 28th, 2022, I wrote Eric the following. Just because I haven't said anything doesn't mean I don't know. The case file is very revealing. I know who was and wasn't questioned. Don't underestimate me. Happy to speak face-to-face next month, if your conscience will let you. On July 25th, 2022, you wrote the following. I never said I wouldn't take a lie detector. If law enforcement thought I needed one, they would have issued one for me already. I wouldn't get too comfortable if I were you, Eric. Running from your problems is a race you'll never win. In 2019, Michigan State Police presumptively classified Brittany's case as a non-negligent manslaughter murder. To those who have information that can help solve this case, Brittany's homecoming is on the other side of your fear. You are the barrier standing between Brittany and her justice. The Hide and Seek podcast is hosted, directed, edited, and produced by James Basinger. Written, edited, and produced by Sarah Joe. Engineered, mixed, and mastered by Nudon's Audio Engineering. Director of Photography is Ethan Schatz. Our graphic design is created by Jordan Robinson. <laughs> <laughs>